Hey everybody, welcome back. I love giving you guys curveballs and swerves, bro. I love putting on new people um, and just mix and match my, my group of people. And we do have the reigning, defending, the undisputed uh, prediction champion, Deborah Oxtel on, but we also have GB and Mr. Eloquent. Hey, everyone. Greetings, everybody. I'm excited. Good, good. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I love all three of you guys. You guys always bring great perspective. So let's go down the list, shall we? Now, by the way, it, Austin Theory didn't have a match, huh? No, he did not. Okay, so we're not going to yeah. count that pick. Okay. We're not going to count that pick. So now, here we go. Let's knock out. We're going to go down to see who won the prediction show first. So uh, between the match, we're going to go down the line between Liv and uh, Bianca. Guess who one, uh, uh, actually, yeah, Liv and, uh, hold up. Let me, Rhonda. Liv and Rhonda. Yeah, what am, I, what am I doing here? Give me one second. Hold I don't up. know. I'm going through it right now. Give me a second. Yeah, uh, let me do me. I picked, okay. Bianca went against Bailey. Okay, give me one second. Oh, yeah, you see what I, you know what? I was putting my notes on my iPhone, and I see where I did it. Um. You just got to edit it a certain way. Okay, gotcha. All right, back into the regular world. Okay, so we had Liv versus Ronda Rousey. Now, we talked about how we thought, um, you know, Liv would maintain, and she did. Uh, I picked Liv, Deb picked Liv, Gerard picked Liv, but guess what? It didn't happen. We had Ronda Rousey win. Where is my... Yeah, so that was a joke. All of us got that wrong. Uh, Ronda Rousey won and actually tapped Liv out, had her smiling like she was uh, in a dreamland somewhere. So right now, all of us are 0-1. So then we had to pick between Bailey and Bianca in the latter match. Uh, I picked Bailey, Deborah picked Bianca, and GB also picked Bianca. So now instead of 1-1, one one, uh, Bianca, so Deb and GB are 1-1. One I am O N two. So um, I didn't stay in the whole long. We had the fight pit match. Matt Riddle versus Seth freaking Rollins. And you would think that the uh, undisputed champion of the world. Um, well, actually, she did get it right. <laughs> uh, no, actually, she no. I'm looking. Hold up. Deb said Seth. GB said Seth. I said Matt Riddle. Seth Rollins did lose, so I do get my win back. I get my lick back, as the young people say. <laughs> so I go to one and two, and you guys are one and two with me as well, right? So, okay, then we had Drew and Karrion Cross going against each other. I picked Drew, Deb picked Karrion, GB picked Karrion, so you guys go back again. So now you are at, instead of one and two, you guys are at two and two, and I'm at one and three. So two and two. One and three. All right. So I'm at, I'm still in the hole here. We had Finn Balor versus Edge. I picked Finn. Deb picked Finn. And GB picked Finn. So you guys go three and two. I go. So that's three and two for y'all. I am now, it would put me at two and three. 
All right. So it's getting close. The final match of the night. You would think that, uh, you know, me being in such a hole so long and consistently being a loser, but in Deb um, also being undefeated, but we had the choice between the Brawling Brutes and Imperium. I picked the Brawling Brutes, Deb picked the Brawling Brutes, and GB picked Imperium. So that drops him down to three and three. So that leaves GB at three and three. Excuse me. All right, GB at three and three. And that puts Deb at four and two. And that puts me at three and three. So I guess we have to continue the streak of victories for the reigning, the undisputed, the magnificent Deborah Oxtail. I like to thank all my supporters. Thank you for, you know, just believing in my predictions. Mm-hmm. I would like to thank all my prediction mates mm-hmm. on the call. Made it fun, made it lively. We all lost the first one, so I guess mm-hmm. we're all on the same boat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as we get close, before we get to the review, how does it feel to be so just so dominant, Miss Oxtail? You've 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 curb stomped a lot of us over the last couple of months, and it just seems like there is no end to your 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 victory. Um, I mean, I mean, heavy is the head that wears the crown. That's, that's all I can say. That's all I can say. I'm just trying to keep it humble, though. Just trying mm-hmm. to keep it humble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. <sighs> <laughs> hmm So we're gonna get into it. Um You're gonna get into it. So it was the extreme rules in Philadelphia, um, Pennsylvania. We know one of the most extreme uh places in the world in the professional wrestling. So let's hop into it. Um I wanna get your guys' thoughts on uh, extreme rules. What were your highs? What were your maybe need some work? Well, no, how about this? Let's do it like this. Let's do it like this. We're just going to go down match by match. We don't have to get into the headlocks and his choke slams and all that other stuff. We'll just go through match to match, okay? And I'll get everybody. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll give Deb first. Then we'll go. Um, who, how about this? You guys, can the, the two dudes can go rock, paper, scissors, whatever they want to do. And uh, <laughs> All right. So, Extreme Rules. The Brawling Brutes versus Imperium. Any thoughts about that? The old-fashioned Donnie Brook. I'm going to give you my quick things because I talk real fast, so I'll just kill it. It was a lot going on, but it was great. I loved it. It was uh, it was everything that you want in an extreme match. Uh, you know, people beat the crap out of each other, so it was good. Anything special, Miss Deb? Um, I still don't know what a Donnie Brook is, but I would just say that it was a great match. It was very physical. Um, it definitely lived up to being the the sequel to Clash of the Castle. Um, I was. I was, I was, I was wondering if if Tim would lose, but I'm just glad that Gunther didn't get pinned, mm-hmm. and it was somebody else that got pinned um, in this team. But um, it was a great match. It was a lot of physicality. It was going well, so I, I enjoyed it. No question about it. No question about it. Okay. 
eloquent. Go ahead. Are you yeah, sure? I mean, this was, uh, in my opinion, this was actually, I think, like my second favorite match on, on the whole card. Um, I guess we'll get on to what most of my favorites as we go, but um, I, I just want to give uh, want to give Sheamus his flowers, especially um, like I mean, and they sort of alluded to it after, but he and as well as the rest of the, the crew, I mean, they've just been on a tear over the last few months, just just crazy, just bangers after bangers, and. I mean, hopefully WWE does like a, you know, a documentary segment or something about his rivalry with Gunther because all of those matches have been so hard. Every sort of combination of them. Um, I mean, this is a match that I don't think it really used the, I guess, the Donnybrook stipulation exactly. all that well. I mean, it was basically just a street fight, which is fine. Um, but, um, but yeah, just between Pete Dunn, Gunther, um, Sheamus, between those three alone, I mean, I knew, I knew this was going to be incredible and yeah, I, and it was great that it went on first. I enjoyed every moment of it. Mm -hmm. Brother Bonner. Uh, I definitely enjoyed this match. Um, and so for those who are unsure of what a Donnybrook is, a Donnybrook is defined as a scene of uproar and disorder. And so it's very safe to say that this match completely fulfilled the bill from start to finish. It was uproar, disorder, chaos. It is how you start an extreme rules pay-per-view, excuse me, premium live event. It's how you do that. And um, I think they did it well, especially on the heels of such a physical match between Sheamus and Gunther the night before on the season premiere of SmackDown. So I thought this was fantastic. Uh, what's even more fantastic about this is coming into this war um, back at Clash at the Castle, both of these guys are considered heels. And yet somehow people found a way to cheer for Sheamus and Boo Gunther throughout this thing. Um, then, and people just love a great fight. And so somehow Sheamus and the Brawling Brutes became faces in this war, which has been uh, a testament, I think, to, to both the Brawling Brutes and Imperium. Physical match. This, this was NXT, and this just felt fantastic. And this is the start of one of many reasons why we love the Triple H dispensation of WWE. So, yeah, this, this was a big win for me. Yeah, I love the spot with the uh, the Celtic cross on the table. That was dope, and and they did what they needed to do. Could have used a little bit more weapons, but overall, extremely entertaining. Like you said, eloquent, great way to start it off. SmackDown Women's Championship: Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey. Um, <laughs> to me, I, I just the meme of Liv Morgan smiling as she's being choked out <laughs> is still to be to the day. I thought it was hilarious. I was like, is she really smiling? Is she getting choked? <laughs> out? <laughs> it was like the 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 cat. What is that from uh, Alice in Wonderland? Like the cat. What is that cat name? She has the chest car. So I was like, this is this is maniacal smile. I don't know if I would ever smile as I'm getting, uh, you know, uh, you know, losing air in my lung. Um, but yeah, I, no one thought that Ronda would get it. It was a surprise. I was wonder what is behind that. But we, I had also alluded that, you know, maybe Liv, it was a good, she's a good first run. 
we understand who she is now. That she's elevated now, and maybe we can uh, keep her in the mix. And maybe she's the fighting underdog at this point. But um, it was good. It, it was good for what it was. It definitely could have been a little smoother. But hey, we ain't talking about the punches. At the end of the day, the story went on. She tapped. She got choked out. Um, there's story to be told. What will happen next? And I also thought Rousey. They were they were putting some. They were they were striking each other hard. Um, so I'm gonna hand this over to Miss Oxtail. I'm not even going to lie. I don't remember even seeing the match. I, I kid you not. Mm-hmm. I think I went somewhere and I came back and it was over. Like It just seemed like it was over real fast. Mm-hmm. I promise you, after the entrance, I don't remember the match. And then I was like, oh my God, I didn't see the match. And I asked people and they're like, you missed nothing. It was atrocious. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. somebody else can give their perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Eloquent. Um, yeah, sort of. I mean, this match, um, like, I, I thought it was all right. Um, like, nothing, I mean, nothing offensive and, you know, um, like, they, they worked hard trying to, trying to tell a story. Um, I think my bigger issue was less so much about the match, but, you know, I know that they'd spent time trying to really establish the people that, you know, that lives for real, and she's a real like, contender, or rather, a real champion, and so forth. And she did some cool stuff leading up to the match, but for me, um, I know you guys had your predictions, but for me, I just I just couldn't buy any scenario where Liv goes over Ronda um, clean. Like, I, I, like, my mind just couldn't, just couldn't get there. Yeah. And maybe that took away a little bit from the match for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's also a little bit of an issue I have with um, just money in the bank winners in mm-hmm. general. Because mm-hmm. um, oftentimes they're, you know, they they give the the briefcase to someone who, oftentimes you wouldn't really picture being a main eventer, but you know they'll get the win by hook or crook, and that's supposed to sort of elevate them. But you know, her kind of getting the belt in the first place through nefarious means um, and then kind of tapping out but not really in her first rematch against Ronda I mean the, the story they told told us or was told me was that she's not on Ronda's level mm-hmm. so I guess I guess they had a good they had an opportunity there to sort of turn heads into some some degree that kind of did but yeah, like I said, I, I just couldn't really, I just couldn't really buy buy into into live getting that that clean win. But yeah. overall, it was okay. Good feedback. Uh, good feedback. Eloquent, brother Bonner. Um, so I, I'll say this uh, in terms of why we picked live because it was completely illogical. Mm-hmm. Um, just like it was illogical that she would ever beat. Uh, Shayna that she'd ever beat Rhonda like so it, it only made sense now granted the the other hard part which I know we talked about in the prediction show is I mean would you really have Liv Morgan actually beat Rhonda Rousey three times um, once is unfathomable twice is crazy a third time after twice you just figure you know somehow they'll make that work um, the, that was a tough part here. Now, I will say this for the caliber and quality of the match, where I will applaud Triple H and WWE is for the placement. 
of yeah. this match. Yeah. Um, placing it second after that incredible banger that we had first gave us time to kind of breathe mm-hmm. because, you know, it's, it's like putting a good record together. You know, you, you can't, there has to be an ebb and flow. You know, if everything is banger after banger after banger, your heart can't necessarily take it. That's true. So you kind of need to be able to go hard and then kind of have a calm song before you go hard again. And so I think in this particular case, these two were the calm song uh, after the opening banger. Um, I'll also say that because you asked where, where does Liv Morgan go after this? Uh, I won't give any spoilers, but I think by the end of the night, we got a clear view of where Liv Morgan is going to go from here. Um, and I'll give my thoughts on that later, but to that end, I'm glad that this chapter is over. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said before, I think the Liv Morgan title run would have been immensely better if they had not put her up immediately against the Mike Tyson of WWE. Like Buster Douglas never had a rematch with Mike Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if that w- if there was going to be a rematch, they would have made little to no money in terms of a title reign for Buster Douglas. The idea is you build up that champion so when they face the monster again, it makes sense. They didn't do that with Liz. And I don't know if I blame Triple H for that or if I blame Vince for that because this all kind of started on Vince's watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Triple H just let it finish and play its course. Um but with that said, you know, uh, I certainly hope for brighter days for Liv Morgan. And um, I hope that somebody soon comes and takes that title off of Ronda because I'm not, I've not been brought into, into Ronda Rousey for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. She's spot. She, still, yeah. Still, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Alec, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, it, like the whole program sort of felt, you know, like, I mean, uh, live one title, so conventional wisdom would would sort of tell you, oh, okay, they're they're going to try to do something with her, get her more over. But it really felt, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it really felt like her reign was really just a mechanism to to get Ronda over. Because um, if you recall, I mean, like through much of her, I guess, first reign back, I mean. I mean, she's going on SmackDown, cutting awful promos, and the crowd's <laughs> already booing her and sort of turning on her. And hey, by, by hook or crook, they, I guess they, they got her back into babyface graces again. And, and hey, it wait, felt that, like, I'm sorry, say that again. You said it was to get Ronda over? I mean, it, it felt to me... Um, you know, at the time when um, when she she lost the belt, at that time it felt like she was like she was already starting to lose steam, and she was already getting some iffy crowd reactions, and she's cutting awful promos and so forth. And and you know they they run with um, uh, they run with Liv um, with the title, and well maybe by hook or crook, maybe just by coincidence. But in the time that Ronda doesn't have the belt, you know, she's starting to get over. And, yeah, they're making her more badass. They're really focusing on her being a, a anti-authority figure. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, which is great, which is great for her. 
but then you, you have this person who's actually holding your championship who they're basically telling you like, well, yeah, like everyone likes Liv, but she's not really, really on Ronda's level, but we're just going to kind of keep her with the belt for a little while until it's time. I mean, for me, it just felt like, you know, they're kind of just treading water until inevitably they're going to give the belt back to Ronda and that's, that's what they did. Yeah, because honestly, when Liv had it, it's like we was nice. It was, when she first, remember when she first got it, everybody was happy that she finally got it. Like, wow, it's nice for her to get oh, it. Yeah, and and it's not about and like I heard someone else say this before. I think it was Randall said this before. He's like, your first reign doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to knock out the park. It's just uh, getting her to the next level. She now she's in the championship tier. She's at the top part of the card now. So the first reign, okay, you know, is lukewarm. Or I would say not even lukewarm. I would say it's like 70-30. You know what I mean? 70-30. Uh, she, she definitely did what she could do. And I think if she comes back rebuilt, more aggressive, more angry, and she gets to that next level, like me, me you, and um, Deborah had talked about um, GB um, uh, at the pay-per-view, if she gets to that next level and gets more edgier, gets, she, if she has to dig, dig a little deeper, then maybe there's a story to be told. But at this point, um, you know, they did give Ronda quite a bit of time. To to and and kind of the crowd kind of got back into the crowd's graces because Ronda was getting stale. Let's keep it a, keep it a, a bean. Um, and uh, seems like, she, but but now it seems like ultimately, even though she got it back, I don't. I'm not sure if if it's if it's if it's, if it's an apparition. If it's an apparition at this point, let, let me let me just say this now, and I know we don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, Man. but I, I may, we we might be watching two different products mm-hmm. because you know in terms of. I don't see how one uses Liv Morgan to get Ronda Rousey over. Ronda Rousey is still one of the top five most recognizable female names in all of sports. That's true. Pick a sport. Everybody knows Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Liv Morgan is not the person to get her over. So mm-hmm. I, I don't I, I don't understand that particular perspective. Now, I understand why, you know, Liv Morgan winning the title was a feel-good, her winning money in the bank, and then winning the title, feel-good moment, no questions asked. I totally think, and, and even her beating Ronda, with Ronda already being injured, it worked. Um, you know, from there, I felt like, well, okay, I guess Ronda's going to go away for a while. Uh, Ronda didn't. And so the idea that she ended up getting another title shot, it immediately made me go, well, this, this isn't going to last long mm-hmm. for, for Liv. But at no point in this whole thing did I or anybody else go, oh, we like Ronda Moore now. No, I think I know what, what Eloquent is saying. I don't want to put words in his mouth. I think help, help me understand that. I think that what you say is absolutely correct. I think what people were people didn't like Rhonda. People hated on Rhonda. So they were happy that Liv Morgan won because that was a still good moment and she was the underdog or whatever. And then when they and then all of a sudden people got bored with Liv Morgan. Yep. So I think so I think with them having her lose, it kind of sets a tone like, see, this is why we had Rhonda as champion, because we gave y'all Liv. Y'all wasn't happy, you were hating her too. So now we're going to give it back to the person who will put asses in the seat. Well, but, but here, to that point, I will say this. The reason that they started turning on Liv 
was because of the way Liv won that match at SummerSlam. That's why. I have a question Um, for you. Did did Liv, uh, this is my question to you, Gerard. Did Liv ever feel like a soup, like when you see Sasha, when you see uh, Charlotte, Mm -hmm. when you see Bianca, did Liv, honestly, I'm going to be honest, let's keep it a buck. Okay. A little jobbers to your voice in here. A little Sir Wilkins in here. Okay. With <laughs> but with Liv, it was like, yeah, 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 but not yet, but not really. It's like, we get it, it, but we ain't buying it. Yeah, I wasn't all the way in. I was happy, but I wasn't all the way bent. I wasn't well, all the way yeah, I wasn't either. I wasn't so, either. So I, I think this, I think, again, everybody relates to the underdog, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always the, the issue of the chase versus the actual lane. Mm-hmm. Case in point, Kofi mania was incredible. Yeah. Um, Kofi's six-month lane is not something that we spend a lot of time talking about. That's true. Uh, we were happy that he was champion, but we started finding out that the real excitement was the WrestleMania win. We don't talk about any of his title defenses. Um, and so I think we have to be able to acknowledge that, you know, in some cases, the chase is better than the rain. Now, whose fault is that? Could be a number of people, right? You could blame booking. We could blame the actual performer. Um, I do think that Liv obviously wanted that championship. Uh, was she ready with this crop of women? Maybe, maybe not. The problem is we didn't feed her that crop of women. Yeah. We fed her the, the top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. Like, so that, that's the other. It's just like what they did to Rhea Ripley when Rhea Ripley was the women's champion. Yeah. Who's the first person they fed her? Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So right. if you feed her Charlotte, when did she get a chance to build up that she's worthy to fight Charlotte? We already look at Charlotte as top tier. We look at Ronda, whether we like her in-ring skills or not, we look at her as top tier because she's the toughest woman on the planet. Mm-hmm. So you cannot take somebody who's an underdog who obviously got lucky in that match against Ronda and then put him in their first title defense at a pay-per-view That's true. against Ronda. That's true. That's with, true. With, with only thir- there were only 30 days between Money in the Bank and SummerSlam. It's not like she had three months to, to have a bunch of matches on SmackDown where we could go, wow, we see her growing. We see her getting better. We, we didn't get that chance. And she didn't get well, that and that's, chance. Well, and that's another reason why, just personally, the whole the whole Money in the Bank, like, I love the match, but just the idea of you know winning a prize that you could just cash in on someone when they're like, on their deathbed, you know, like it, it's a, it's a great literary device to sort of just hot shot someone into, into the main event, but, but you kind of skip everything leading up to it in terms of, you know, like building, building live up to, to a, a degree or to a position where if she does face Ronda, whether she wins or not, you can somewhat, convince yourself or talk yourself into the idea that, hey, okay, maybe, maybe she could really hang. I mean, I mean, frankly, the fact that they, they, that she went over on Ronda, albeit in that weird, uh, she tapped out, but, but her, her shoulders were down, 
you know, like I, I don't think that that Lynn did anything for, for Liv. That just told me, that, oh, okay, so she's definitely not on her level. And then, lo and behold, two months later, you know, she, you know, she, she gets, she catches this L here. And, you know, I, I like, I'm glad that, that Liv sort of reached the, you know, got the title and, and did as much as she could with it. But she's very, very likable. But I guess that's the problem when you have like a monster on your roster that, you know, it's a, it's a little similar to, you know, they they put Kofi in that championship position. And like you said, you know, no one really remembers much about the rain. Well, they, but they also booked, they didn't book that right. They they booked him like as if he was like kind of like he's a champion, but we ain't, we ain't really behind him like that. Well, no, no, that's what I mean. It's yeah. like, it's you. Um, you know, I've always hated just the idea of just putting people on, you know, giving, giving people the belts just because it's like their turn rather than them really being someone you can believe in that position. Cause yeah, like the whole thing I hated about the Kofi thing was that, yeah, you had this brilliant lead up to the match with Daniel Bryan. He wins. Um, and then for the next five months, you know, like WWTV is telling you that yeah he, he ain't nothing like we're just we're just sort of you know baiting our time until Brock comes back yep. and then when he does come back he crushes him and tells you like yeah but what you just watched for the last six months really didn't matter yeah you know and I'm not gonna say it's I'm not gonna say it's quite that extreme with Liv but I sort of watched that match and a little bit of me felt like like I'm I'm scared that. Um, that Liv's not going to sniff the, the, the main event scene again for, you know, for the foreseeable future. But, or at least, if Vince are still there, I don't think she's ever put back in that spot no, again. No, exactly. You're but, right. But, yeah. But, but with, with Triple H, you know, I have some faith with him to, like, even if, even if she doesn't go over Ronda, like, legit, I do have faith that she can get back to that spot. I agree. Good point. All right. Let's hop over to Drew McIntyre and Karen Cross the strap match. Uh, they be uh, whipping each other like it was um, like he got bad grades at school. Um, so yeah, we had Cross get the W, and you talked about this actually, Gerard, that um, it was going to be some nefarious means, uh, and that uh, some you know the, that his that his his accomplice would have some interference as well. I think also that uh, Deborah had said it. So yeah, good match. Um, it was it went the way it was supposed to go, uh, and the way that he lost was even more enjoyable. Even though I wanted him to win, but I liked the I liked the loss, and I really liked his. Um, I love Scarlett's interference. I just love her for some. She just has an aura of like she is femininity. Is it so feminine, but so dastardly? And uh, Carrion is just so. Oh, I just can't stand when he wins, but he wins. It's so it made me feel something, and that's the most important thing. I felt something with the match. It was a good match, Miss Oxtail. Um, I thought it was a good match. I knew um, they would have to redeem Carrion Cross some type of way. Um, I'm still not sold on Karrion Cross personally. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Because, you know, I just need him. I, I have to be sold on the fact that without Scarlett, he can carry himself. Mm-hmm. But I think people caught up in like the the entrance theme and everything. But after that, it's just like, mm, okay. So I knew that was kind of like 
of sympathy when mm-hmm. with how atrocious he was dealt with. Remember when he got called to the main roster under Vince, Scarlett wasn't there, and we saw what happened. So um, I knew he was going to win just based off of that, just to write that type of wrong. I, I don't know who was wrong. I mean, they had him looking like uh, you know Lord Humongous, but um, but yeah, I love Drew. Drew is. You know, he's a great wrestler. He makes other people look good. So, mm-hmm. I was happy. Nice. Eloquent. Um, so this match, I, I thought it was decent. Um, maybe it's, uh, maybe it, it went a touch longer than, um, than maybe I'd expected or even wanted it to. Um, but yeah, I, I echo a lot of the same sentiments. I mean, the, I mean, Karrion Cross coming up to the main roster the first go around, and then taking them taking Scarlet away. I mean, that's like that was a promotional malpractice. Mm-hmm. Um, I just couldn't believe what they did there. Um, so yeah, so much like uh, she said, the it felt like you know this was this was probably like that that first big signature win that he probably should have gotten like a year ago. Um, the first go around, um, yeah. I mean, I I, I, I like the uh, like I'm a fan of Cross, and I like the uh, the act or the tandem of him and, yeah. and him and Scarlet. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. If, I don't know if I really like the like the strap as the as the stipulation of choice yeah. versus other things that could have done. Um, I felt like some parts of the match were a little. You know, a little toddling, I guess, but maybe that's just my attention span. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was this is a fine match. Um, probably not one that I'll go back to like revisit anytime soon. But it did it did uh, the objective that it needed to, which is to give Cross that first big win yeah. and sort of plant the seed that yeah, this guy is going to be a big player for for WWE for the future. Yep. All right, GB. Karrion Cross, the two-time NXT champion who spent some time away from the WWE before making his debut on SmackDown <laughs> uh, where he interfered with Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. Now, I hear, you know, our wonderful uh, guests, wonderful people uh, keep talking about this mysterious missing time that they say happened, which I just... Don't recall it. Never really happened. The helmet. Um, I don't. I don't know what what that could possibly be. What I what I do know for sure mm-hmm. is uh, the you know now I recognize you know he went away and started controlling his narrative and all that type of thing. Um, you know, sometimes people go away on vacation and you know they need to do that, but obviously. He's a package deal, and when he came back, he came back right. So this wonderful debut mm-hmm. uh, for premium live event for for Karrion Cross is what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be something that you know the entrance gets you, and I think that's that's the thing. You know, um, the ultimate warrior jumped into a lot of our hearts as kids because of his entrance. He wasn't the greatest tactician in the world. He didn't give the greatest interviews, but he had an entrance that we just went, oh my God, I love this guy. 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, the entrance is is a thing, and Carrying Cross has an entrance that you don't forget. He's a very physical competitor. He's not the greatest wrestler in the world, but then again, who is right? Yeah. I think Carrying Cross did what he was supposed to do, and he showed that he belongs in the category with a Drew McIntyre and in that particular tier of WWE. So I am grateful. And, and for him, he is far more intimidating, obviously with, um, with Scarlett at his side. And so I think it just, and his hair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it all, it all makes sense. Think about it. And, and as crazy as this sounds, as great as we loved Randy Savage, we loved him because of Elizabeth as well. Yeah. You know, um, and, and when you paired him with somebody else, it didn't hit the same mm-hmm. um, after WCW days. So I will just say Karrion Cross was amazing. And whatever uh, lost time you guys were talking about, I, I don't recognize <laughs> or recall. The artist formerly known as Karrion Cross. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, love I, it. I don't know about All, all I know is that. I saw. All I know is that I saw someone pull up on Raw a few years ago with a figure very similar to, to Cross. I don't know. Maybe it was an imposter, and Vince decided to give that guy an SNM mask. You know what's interesting to me? And shocked it didn't work. Well, well, here's what's equally interesting to me. I think I remember about a year ago there was a guy that was showing up in WWE with a guitar and he had a beard and long hair and he'd do these concerts. Yeah. And then suddenly after WrestleMania, he mysteriously disappeared. Some guy who looked a whole lot like him, didn't carry a guitar anymore, mm-hmm. had a clean face. <laughs> and suddenly I hear that this guy who plays the guitar will be back on Raw next week. It's funny how these these periods of time, just, you know, these ideas that don't work and they're forgettable. I mean, you know, <laughs> All right, we're going to move at a warp speed here, my lovely people of color. It's like the Wakanda of, of pro wrestling commentary here. So we had <laughs> coming out in theaters near you. We had Bianca Belair versus Bailey. Honestly, my favorite match. Um, I, even though I said Bailey was going to win, I wasn't playing Hayden. Okay, I was just saying, you know, just want to get some heat up on Bailey. You understand me? But Miss Belair, I think this ladder match, I was so curious about how was she, she going to be able to perform in such a dangerous match, in such a match that has so much history and two women, nonetheless, uh, doing this um, in a way uh, to, who you don't automatically say are ladder technicians, so to speak. So this really surprised me. It did better than I thought it was going to be. It had me emotionally connected. Um, I was scared several times that someone was going to fall and twink their ankle or something because they was doing some stuff. And then when Bailey broke the, the stabilizer off the ladder, it was a lot going on. But I loved it. And it was very entertaining. My favorite match of the, month, uh, of the, of the night, Bianca gets the W. Miss Oxtail. She's still there? I'm here. I'm here. Sorry about that. All good. Um, I'm very glad Bianca won. I'm rooting for everyone black, as you already know. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't really think... I, I really didn't think that Bailey was going to win. Um, I knew it was going to be a great match, though. Mm-hmm. But it was basically, you know, showcasing, you know, Bailey hasn't lost a step. She's um, she's back in action, despite you know being out for injury. 
And, you know, she's ready to take on, you know, Bianca. I don't know what happened after that, but um, the fact that Bianca had whooped out the whole crew was, I love that part also. Um, I was hoping that Sasha and Naomi were going to come out and run out and make a make a entrance to kind of fight off the other two to kind of like welcome them back. But it didn't happen. So, you know, maybe that wasn't the right, you know, event for that. But the fact that Bianca, you know, whooped out all three just further cements that she's, you know, the ESP and she's the most dominant person on that roster. And, you know, we'll see who's next. Good point. Because you saw the commercial... We saw the commercial for Charlotte. Yeah, she's coming back. She's coming back. So, mm-hmm. you know. All right. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Mr. Eloquent. Yeah, I'm totally 100% with the mock stuff. Um, this was my match of the night by far. And uh, before I touch much on the match, just got to give a huge shout out to, ben- to Bianca Belair. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is there anyone in WWE? Apart from, I don't know, maybe Rollins, but who's a better like big match performer than Bianca Belair? No, you're right. for real. Yeah, I mean, like WrestleMania, SummerSlam, any big match she's in is always like a top two, top three night of the ma- uh, match of the night every single time. And yeah, this this one is no this one is no different. Um, I mean, obviously, I was a part of the. I guess the predictions that you guys did, but I will say going into watching the show, this was a match that I thought for sure that, that Bailey was going to go over on. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised and, you know, they sold me some tickets a few times, like when, when EO and, um, uh, or the Kota Kai, um, came out to interfere and, and yeah, they, they sold me a ticket there. Like, all right, mm-hmm. this is, this is how they, they got the strap off of her. And I know they, they didn't. And her doing the, like the double KOD on yeah. them. Um, yeah. You know, like, like I was in, I was in the crib swinging a towel around like a <laughs> Petey Pablo. Um, and, uh, and her hitting that KOD on Bianca or on um, Bailey, excuse me, while she's holding the ladder. Yeah. One of the crazy spots. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know how crazy, like, Folks talked about that that spot, but I, I went crazy over that. But you know, just another another notch on her belt. I mean, she she. I mean, for everything that we all like, that most of us hated hated about Vince and his booking and so forth. Um, from the moment that she got onto the main roster, with one or two blemishes aside, I mean, her booking has been flawless. Yeah. Um. And, and yeah, just so much love and appreciation for this match. Loved it. Love that. Love that. GB. You know, I have a lot of thoughts, but I'll try to condense them. The one thing I will start by saying is, you know, I think it's amazing to me how we have such selective memory. So you guys remember, you know, something about some helmet or something that carrying cross had, <laughs> mm-hmm. but forgot when Bianca actually debuted on the main roster in front of nobody the night after WrestleMania with the, the, her, her husband and, you know, the street profits and, 
you know, she did like one or two things and then we didn't hear from her for six months. Mm-hmm. Everybody forgot that. Um, which proves that, you know, now the other thing I will say ref- in reference to Bianca and Liv is this. Bianca is the template for what they should have done with Liv. Mm-hmm. Meaning they gave us a chance to watch the rise of Bianca on SmackDown and then her becoming champion. So that by the time, I mean, like we knew she had potential to win the rumble and win the championship, but you know, they didn't just give it to her. They, they let her work her way up to some of these matches. They, and, and even when she lost the SmackDown title, she again went and worked her way up these matches. She had matches against, uh, 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 Becky, and then she had matches against Charlotte. And like she had these matches where we went, okay, wow, she didn't win, but she was so good that we really, really believe that, okay, we, we can see the writing on the wall. And so what's beautiful about this is that, you know, we finally get a dominant women's champion whose last name is not Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really or Rousey. or Rousey or Lynch, right? Like it's really exciting to see. And, um, you know what the buildup to this match was great. It really was a pick em. I mean, like I picked Bianca, uh, with my heart and not necessarily with my head because my head might've had me go another way. Um, which says that they told this story extremely well leading up to it. And certainly during the match, it could have gone a lot of ways. I really hope that in this era where people don't like for folks to get successful long and be champions for a long time, I really hope we appreciate what we're getting with Bianca Belair. We are witnessing the full rise, not just of a star, but of a mega star. And the WWE has not had a woman's megastar, period. China was big, but China was big hanging out with DX. Mm-hmm. Bianca is big on her own as a standalone woman. Box office. Who is, you know what I mean? Without question, you know? And so I think we're witnessing something very special, and I really hope we appreciate it. And we got to enjoy her while we have her. We really do. And Absolutely. a lot of people think that she would be in her early 20s. Bianca is actually in her 30s. So, um, you know, we don't know how long she wants to continue. You don't, I, don't, I, I don't think she'll do 10 years. You know what I mean? Um, we have to enjoy greatness when we see it. It's like watching Tom Brady. You know, it's like a little bit different but Tom Brady is like his greatness is going to go away sometime soon or like watching uh, um, Aaron Judge hit 61 62 home runs there's this she's just having a year and has had years of just greatness and I look forward to seeing how great she can be and ultimately I think in some time it'll be her versus Jade Cargill but anyway we'll talk about that in the, in the future um, Edge yeah that's that's the door yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Give me the ticket. If it's five hundred dollars, I need I put five hundred on it. But um, <laughs> we got Edge and Finn Balor in an <laughs> I Quit match. And guess who said this? The guy who, the person who literally said this. Um, and if you go back and listen to the prediction show, they literally said, um, "You said this, GB, about his wife being put into the picture and him having to acquiesce." And it only makes sense. Literally, you predicted GB. Um, great match. <laughs> What can you, what more can you expect from two guys that are great workers, great storytellers? Um, definitely uh, a little bit longer, but uh, good 
solid match, and uh, he had to do what was right for his wife. And and you know what? I'll give some props to um, also um, my girl. Dang, I'm, I'm losing my brain here. Uh, to Rhea Ripley when she did. I was like, if she does the chair shot after he says I quit, that makes her even more dastardly. I was like, I thought she might do it, but I was like, nah, she ain't going to be that bad. She ain't going to do that. She she already, you know, that's enough. It's WWE. No, Rhea still hit her in the head with a, a, sing, a solo concerto. And I was like, God, yeah. My eardrums popped, um, and I was upset about that. So that was great storytelling with that as well. The, the dastardly evil, um, just no heart, uh, great angle at the end as well. Miss Oxtail. Well, I wasn't shocked that she did that after the fact because that's the heel thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, when would you ever take their word for anything? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, anybody who believes that she wouldn't, have done that I don't know what planet you're on mm-hmm. but um, it was a interesting match um, I'm personally over edge mm-hmm. um, you know I'm not surprised that Cedric made an appearance because somebody has to offset Rhea um, but you know it's interesting how I don't know. I guess they, they would never do intergender anything ever again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Rhea's a big, a big woman. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just shocked that, you know, Ed didn't, you know, give her, spear. her or <laughs> you know, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, um, it is a weird WWEism where that somehow the men just magically can't like the women. The women can do everything, but magically the men are just some sort of force field behind. Even after your wife right. gets hit in the head with a chair, that's true. It's it's a weird well, WWEism. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It wasn't that long ago that um, that Beth caught an RKO from Randy Orton. That wasn't that long ago, was it? Uh, uh, it was probably like 2020. If I remember correctly, leading into their matchup, uh, which is supposed to be the greatest match ever, the greatest match ever. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Randy, However, you can. Well, Randy was a heel, so it's expected for him to do that. I'm talking about with Edge being a face. I don't know if they would be like, yeah, do that. Yeah, it's WWEism. Okay, okay, good point, Deb. Eloquent. All right. Well. Interestingly enough, I brought up the, the quote-unquote greatest match ever, which um, I actually was not a fan of uh, for a few different reasons. And I, uh, I kind of had the same feeling about this match. To be honest, I was very bored throughout most of it until like the last like 10 minutes or so and, and then the, the ending. You know, like the the final stretch of, of, of the match and the angle and everything um, was super interesting and a lot of fun to watch, but I felt like... A lot of fat on it. Uh, the 15 or 20 minutes prior to it, just it just felt like nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's kind of one of those... You know, I think they, they really wanted to, to make the, the most of their time and I, I don't know what the official length of time was it just felt like it was forever um so like i honestly couldn't even tell you anything about the match itself until you know until judgment day stormed the ring and and you know and all the 
all the sports entertainment stuff um, really, really set in. So I guess the match was all right, I guess. Um, yeah, that, that angle was, was amazing. And there's a lot of different ways they can, they can sort of spiral off of it. Um, should they, should they choose to great points GB. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of both edge and Finn Balor, uh, to see them actually battle in, in, uh, a match like this is pretty cool. Um, I think Edge is at a point in his career where he's interested in only doing lengthy matches. Um, <laughs> and that really goes back to, you know, that match that he had, uh, the, the WrestleMania match you could start with, uh, with Randy Orton in 2020, because that one was long, 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 like 40 minutes long. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, Edge is kind of in his New Japan bag right now in terms of let's just have lengthy matches. Um, with that said, I think I was much more interested in what is being, you know, the new building of Finn Balor, which I'm really loving and seeing the judgment day literally go from, you know, a bad idea once Ed left it to really being something that's viable. That's good to me. Um, the other stories that are told in there from, you know, Dominic, just putting the boots to his dad to, you know, Rhea Ripley and her control over him and, you know, Rhea and, and uh, Beth facing off. Like, all of those things infused in there were, were really awesome. So I think, you know, it's almost like a song, you know, or a live performance where, you know, and you'll remember the beginning, a smatter of the middle, but then you'll remember the end. Um, and so I think this we remember the end and uh it, it left us with some interesting feelings so yeah it's cool with it mm-hmm. i love it i love it i love it great 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 points gb matt maddie riddle versus seth rollins i think the number two match i think if you're going to give bianca and bailey a then you give them b Great match. Uh, they were doing some wild stuff at the top of this damn fight pit. I was like, somebody going to blow an ACL. Because, somebody going to slip and bust their ass. I'm using my inner city lingo today, guys. Um, we took it from, we just went, <laughs> that's my annual going from PG to TV 14. I don't know, I can, it's hard for me to hold it in. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I was like, somebody going to slip off this thing, especially got no shoes on. Um, but, uh, and then Daniel Cormier, did you guys notice how aggressive he was with like breaking him up? I was like, yo. You're a ref. Why are you beating him up? The, like, you dog, you beating up the guys. I was like, he's hell of aggressive for a referee. I was like, yo, I, I'm feeling some type of way about the way you're breaking me up, bro. We're going to have to square up individually. You know what I'm saying? Um, but really great, uh, great spots. Uh, they beat the brakes off each other. And it was very entertaining. And it was done very well. Um, I liked how they even had some shoot stuff early in the match. Uh, and then they got to business because um, they could have really gone too long with that, but I think they paced it correctly. Uh, Miss Oxtail. I loved it. It was very physical. And, you know, and, and I think that, you know, Seth really brings the best out of people. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, yeah, up in there with barefoot and people sweating and falling on stuff. I thought for sure somebody was going to, you know, get hurt or something. But, um, I don't know, but it was a banger of a match. It was great. It was amazing. So, um, it was one of the highlights of of Extreme Rules. I'll definitely give them that. 
um, Daniel Cormier, um, don't bring it back again. <laughs> um, <laughs> otherwise than that, it, it was great. And, you know, it, it was a toss up for me, but, um, you know, riddle one. Love it. Love it. Eloquent. Yeah, this one, this one is special. Um, but that, but that, that was also like the least surprising. Like I, I knew the second this match was booked that this was going to be a, a top two, top three match in nights, and as expected, it was. Um, yeah, super duper physical. Um, yeah, like you said before, um, I, I like that it it didn't evolve too much into like shoot territory. Um, I don't know if y'all remember that uh, that Wardlow, Jake Hager, AEW uh, pseudo MMA MMA match yeah, that they mean, had. You mean the play fighting um, play fighting MMA? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like that. Okay, you sort of have the setting, but they're not forgetting that this is this is pro wrestling first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And I mean the other fight pit matches they they did in NXT with like Timothy mm-hmm. Thatcher. I mean those ones. Yeah. Ones are great too, so I, I I knew that at least they'd figured out that um, that formula. Um, I I'm not surprised that Matt Riddle won. Um, I Seth Rollins has been putting over way too many people lately. I feel. Um, I mean, he, you know, like Cody ran through him three times and just. You know, just put over Riddle, and you know he's always putting someone else over in all these big, these big matches, and you know, and just for for a guy, I just respect so much of his work in the ring, and I hope that he gets that legitimate time to, you know, to to be like top of the card, top champion again. I mean, I, I mean, I wish that the uh, the world titles weren't on the shoulders of one person, but that's neither here nor there. Um. Yeah, um, and obviously the um, what happened after the match is what everyone's talking about, and I'm sure we will too. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but the match itself, um, totally loved it. Love it, GB. Yeah, you know, I think the match was solid. I am a fan of the fight pit. Uh, I love the two matches that happened in NXT, uh, and so obviously I think they had a lot to live up to with that. But you had the right two people in there for that, um, and I will admit. For as much as I was watching this match, I just kept looking for the White Rabbit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, did we get it? Um, I have a oh, question. Yeah. All right, so so as we talk about the White Rabbit, as we close up here, I'm gonna be honest with you. Maybe because I, I'm trying not to be so like jaded as a WWE person. You know, 25 plus years of watching wrestling. <laughs> But I'm like, I get Bray Wyatt, but is he really that? Like, people were acting like it was the greatest thing to ever happen in the last 20 oh years. Oh my gosh! Thank wow, you. you know what? It was pissing wow. me off. Wow. Thank oh, you. Is, oh, let, let's have the conversation. <laughs> let's have the conversation. Let's have. It's the cool, but it ain't the damn reincarnation of the Undertaker. Come on now. Shit. Excuse my language. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna hand it over to everyone. So at this point, uh, I'm gonna guess. Guess we keep the same order. Uh, Deb. Yeah, I didn't. I, you know what? The present. All right. This is what I'll say. So I don't get scurried on the right on, on on line. It was cool. The, no one does it better with 
debuts as WWE or re-debuts or whatever or comebacks or whatever. No one does it better than WWE, period. It was great. The psychology behind it, the storytelling, the, the artistry, all of that was great. But in terms of long-term importance, unless they get them back to the fiend where they had him before, which I thought was a dope thing where they, they use him every now and again and don't overuse him, then great. But I don't think it's the greatest thing since freaking sliced bread. Calm down, people. It's cool, but the jury's out. That's my two cents. Miss Oxtail. I mean, I will preface this by saying that I didn't really catch the whole Bray Wyatt thing when it first happened. I didn't. Um, but I caught it enough where it was the whole scene thing, whoopsie woo, the whole nine yards. So, it, you know, it was cool. It was, it was definitely different. Um, you know, was it Undertaker-ish? I guess they kind of wanted the same, like, slap as The Undertaker. But I think, like, it was cute. I'll just say that. It was cute. Um, if they never bring him back, I, I, would, I wouldn't be saved by it. It's not something that, when they were Triple H came into power, it wasn't like I was saying, oh, I hope they bring back The Fiend and Bray Wyatt. That never came out of my mouth. Yeah. So, um... Maybe I could be missing something, but the, the hype and the hoopla around it, I think it's something similar to Carrying Cross with the whole entrance music with the lantern and all this other stuff. I think that's all said and done. Like with um, Braun Strowman with the alligator swamp match. Like that did nothing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, getting scared by Goldberg and being done in two seconds. That did nothing for me. It was just like they did too much damage for me to care about the character, but we'll see the, the, the new incarnation of it. Yeah. Eloquent. Right. So, all right. So I guess as far as the, you know, the whole white rabbits, like everything that we, we saw to end off the show, so that, that's really cool. Um, so Bray has definitely a gift for, um, I guess, you know, just devising some of these, these creepy, weird characters and, and, you know, the, the whole way they left the bread, the breadcrumbs, the white rabbits and the QR codes and everything leading up to it. Very, very cool stuff. Very, very cool stuff. The, the you know, just him coming out and everything, um, you know, I don't knock anyone who's really, really excited about it. So that being said, you know, the, you know, the, like the returns or the entrance or the, the repackaging or however way you want to describe it, you know, all of it, all of it has a shelf life. And ultimately what's really going to matter is what happens when, when they start booking them in matches. Now I loved, loved the original iteration of Bray Wyatt. You know, as just this more uh, sort of Waylon Mercy cult figure guy, leader of this, you know, cult from the, from the backwoods, you know, because at least it felt like, okay, well, in the scope of a wrestling ring, even though he's really, really creepy and, and unnerving, but you still remember this is a, this is a person and that, you know, but you still can like wrestle matches and, and so forth. Um, so that stuff I dug, and then just over time, when they started 
stray further and further away from it. And then he suddenly has this ability to project um, like uh, bugs and stuff into the into the ring off of a projector. And then he comes back as the fiend, which admittedly looks super super cool. And you know the dichotomy of the, the funhouse versus this creepy serial killer Jason type of type of guy. It all looks really cool, but then, you know, they had no idea how to book him, and they booked this guy like like he was impervious to pain. And then, you know, the first thing I thought was, oh, okay, well, once he starts getting into matches with people, what are they? What are they going to do? They're going to have to put the title on him, and then they did, and they had no idea what to do with him. So it sort of went from cool excitement, and I kind of got my fill of it three or four weeks in. Um, and so, you know, it's Triple H running the show now, so I trust he's not going to do the same dumb stuff that Vince did, but, you know, I'm prepared to be proven wrong, but but now that the reveal is there, I mean, I'm not super... I, as much like you guys, I'm kind of like, right, like, calm down, calm down. Like, it was cool, but, you know, I, I, I don't know if... I don't know how well like the supernatural characters really work in twenty twenty two. I mean, I'm not saying they can't prove me wrong. Like I love, uh, I love the Finn Balor demon character. Like a few times they use it, um, but I, I don't know. I, I have no idea how they're going to book him as a, as an actual wrestler. But um, I guess I'm I'm a little less optimistic than everyone else is. All right, I love that eloquent GB. <laughs> the one thing I love about this conversation is, uh, unlike Clubhouse, you know, where you sometimes have to fight to say something, you know, your turn is coming. So, uh, with with that said, I will say first and foremost, um, one of the reasons that people are hyped about this, myself included, is because we have not a campaign for a wrestler this flawlessly executed since Y2J the millennial man the countdown to Y2J was the last time we saw something expertly delivered by WWE from the from the first time we started getting hints to this to the rollout just magnificent and the thing about this that was so special was they did not use 1997, 2007, 1987 means. They went super current. And I mean, you had to catch the QR code. You might have missed it most times. The commentators specifically didn't talk about it. Even until the reveal were... You know, Michael Cole says the, the amazing line, are, are we still on the air? Brilliant. Brilliant. So the, the, here, here's why I, I think some people don't quite understand um, Bray Wyatt. And I think it really goes before Bray Wyatt. I think it goes to the incarnation of what I call the, the, the movie match or the cinematic match that we saw uh, in Impact with the Hardys and things of that nature. That style of match began challenging what we called pro wrestling. We always limited pro wrestling to 
something happening in between the ropes. Every now and again, we might get a match that might happen outside of the ropes, but there has to be a ring and there has to be ropes and there has to be this, that, and the other. And the cinematic match really began to challenge that in a way we hadn't seen before. Bray Wyatt fit that bill perfectly. And what amazes me about um, how we have forgotten about the awe and wonder of pro wrestling is we've now seemingly measured uh, the success of pro wrestlers by wins, losses, and championships. But then we forget that some of the folks that made us feel the most were never world champions, like a Jake the Snake Roberts, like a Rowdy Roddy Piper. We would easily call them icons, the best in the business at what they did in psychology and in conversation. Think about, I mean, think about the ways in which Jake, when Jake the Snake Roberts DDT Ricky Steamboat on that concrete floor, there were no titles involved. But he put him out of action and gave us something we'd never seen before. When he interrupted the wedding between Randy Savage and Elizabeth with the snake, like we've never seen that before. The snake, but we, these things had nothing to do with championships. And when we start talking about the supernatural characters, uh, the people, this guy that you, got, you all revere the most, The Undertaker, 30 years we would argue probably the greatest Hall of Fame speech we ever saw. He won the world title seven times, but never had a memorable title reign. He called him Mr. WrestleMania. Most of those matches had nothing to do with championships. He was a guy who reincarnated himself over and over and over again. Got buried alive multiple times. Went away, came back. But we all loved that. And I think what Bray Wyatt brings to us is a space where we get to forget about titles. We, we're, we're, Bray Wyatt is at a space he doesn't need to be a world champion. When you get to a space when you don't have to be a world champion, you've now done something that's special. We forget about the Andre the Giant, who didn't have to be a world champion. He was Andre the Giant. and lose for 15 years. So I say all of that to say, how will Bray Wyatt be booked and even us being at a space where we say, well, I'll believe it when I see how he's booked. I, I think we end up losing the on wonder of what we just saw. We saw a man who got fired that we didn't think should have been fired, who waited an entire year, didn't wrestle anywhere because he believed in what he was doing, created his own videos, believed in his character, and was brought back at the right time in his own way uh, with just brilliant QR codes. I mean, the tribute to Brody Lee, like all this, it, it was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And I'll die on that hill. Um, I'm intrigued to see what it'll do later, but this, it was rolled out perfectly. And what a succinct way to end it. No better way. All right. So we will all, to me, I grade extreme rules as a very watchable, I'm not going to do letters anymore. I would say very watchable. I would say more watchable than not. And Miss um, Oxtail, would you say watchable? What, what is your rating? You have to give it a grade, but would you say definitely a must watch? Um, I would say it was watchable. Mm -hmm. um, I think 
it was a must watch because people were really um, anticipating. Only two or three matches on there were, were really, well, I would say three <clears throat> were must watch. Gotcha. Okay. That's Bianca. That's Bianca's match. Um, the Donnie Brook and Seth versus Riddle. And because the build up for, for Bray, wondering whether he was coming, I think that drew a lot of eyes to, to it. But um, it was watchable. Love it. All right, eloquent. Mm-hmm. Must watch. Watchable or ah, skip it. Not so watchable. Like by by those like three options. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm putting like a number grade on it, I'd probably give it a solid seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like Sark still said um, that Bianca match, um, the that Imperium six way match six man tag match and uh, the fight pits I mean and then obviously the the white rabbit stuff those four matches slash moments um you know make it worse uh, worse to watch at the very least um like the, the rest of the stuff I'm kind of indifferent on like I could take it or leave it like I don't have any sort of motivation to go back and rewatch any of them um, but yeah, I could see myself going back to watch this, uh, like that Bianca match again, or, or even like, uh, yeah, or the, the Imperium match, you know? I love it. So, yeah. But overall, yeah, definitely watchable. All right, GB, watchable, must watch. Yeah. Okay. Definitely watchable. Uh, and I would say it's the best, uh, extreme rules we've had in many years. Love it. Love it. Well, guys, thanks for coming on another episode of the WWB Podcast. A couple things before we finish up. Follow our new YouTube page, the official Wrestling Wild Black Podcast. We are on YouTube now. We're uploading uh, really important episodes, interesting episodes. I have Eloquent. I actually just put up his episode. We're going to put up this one as well. Um, Please uh, follow us on Instagram. We're trying to get to a 1,000 followers by the year end of the year so all the folks that love eloquent and gb and deborah oxtail help us get to a thousand we're trying to be something in this world people uh, <laughs> i'm trying to be somebody uh, <laughs> and uh to finish this up where can they find you miss oxtail um you can find me minding my business when i'm not i'm on ig mm-hmm. and um on this podcast when you guys so graciously asked me to be a part of it. Love it. GB, where can I find, uh, Eloquent, sorry. Where can we find, where can I find you? Because we talked about the new album, so go ahead and plug it, sir. Yeah, we're Long Gaps Nowhere, available anywhere, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, your local record shop, all that. But otherwise, I can be found uh, IG, Twitter, um, at E-L-A-Q-U-E-N-T, and uh, whenever uh, you know the podcast wants to bring me back, you'll be able to catch me there then too. Carry yeah. also, y'all subscribe, get this man up to a thousand for the love of God. Thank you so much, Eloquent. Appreciate you, GB. Dope, dope. You can find me at Bonerfied on all the platforms. You can find me uh, doing commentary work for Southern Honor Wrestling, Battle Slam, Championship District Wrestling, All Things Nightmare Factory. Uh, yeah, so check it out at Bonerfied. GB be working, y'all. He be working, working. <laughs> Aren't you partially Jamaican hey, as well, sir? 
No, but I'm married to one. Okay, so by by proxy, you work a lot, so <laughs> which is a good thing. Well, guys, we have quite the diverse. We got we got Fox Jamaicans on here. We got we got a Haitian American. I'm Gullah Geechee, so we got everything, man. <laughs> what kind of baby? Peace. We out. <laughs> Camera.